From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Tuesday, April 26th. When visiting the Navajo Nation, it's not hard to notice the large number of dogs roaming the rural region. It's long been a problem. Those animals can carry disease. They can also live a harsh life. But things might be changing. Justin Higginbottom visits a pop-up animal clinic on the reservation. The Sweetwater Chapter House is found well off the highway, down a few miles of dirt roads on the Navajo Nation in northern Arizona. Today, there's about a dozen idling vehicles there. They stretch to the entrance, mostly trucks with dogs and owners sitting in the beds. According to Katie Gallette of Underdog Animal Rescue and Rehab... No, this is, this is light. This is light, wow. Yesterday was, in fact, we were spaying and neutering until 11.30 last night. Yeah, this is, this is a slow day. Her nonprofit is based in Moab, but volunteers make trips to the Navajo Nation monthly. They do tick treatments and deworming, minor wound care. And we typically do about 225 spays and neuters each of our weekends. And then we do an additional maybe six to 800 vaccines. Galette approaches Jack, a timid puppy in a cage in the back of a truck. Hi, Jack. Hi, big guy. What's going on? He's what? Bite you, bite you. Well, he better not. Yeah, walk up. <laughs> Is he a biter? Do we need a muzzle? I don't know. You don't know? Yeah. <laughs> I just she gives Jack his vaccinations and the scruff of his neck. Yeah. No complaints from Jack, who is a good boy. There's an estimated 250,000 strays in this large rural area, about the size of West Virginia. Although Gallette thinks that number is closer to 500,000. The problem has likely become worse since the pandemic. Animal shelters shut and the few public services available were cut. Chantel Wadsworth is one of the volunteers today. She also runs Res Road Rescue and has a van filled with her own dogs, who are quite excited at this line of new friends. We did van life on the reservation for about two years. Yeah, so that's how we got into dog rescue. We were just traveling around the res, and you see res stray dogs everywhere. (laughs) So her partner and her decided to put their van to use. They collected strays and brought pets to clinics. Wadsworth is from the Navajo Nation. She says things are changing. So just within the, I think the past, I'm going to say five years, it's improved a whole lot. There's a lot more resources now than there was. So I feel like now that the word's getting out, people are starting to figure out like, wow, there's you know, rescues that we can go to for help and things like that. This is Tonin Mitchell's first time at the clinic. He's from Sweetwater. Oh, this is Cole, Chubbs, Midgie, uh, Stonies, and areas of the Chihuahua. His kids are helping to handle their dogs as they get their shots. We got vaccines, rabies vaccines, uh, Parvo, just temperament, just for the dogs. <laughs> not the kids. Yeah, not the kids yet. <laughs> he says a clinic like this is helpful for his family. You know, because it's kind of hard for us to, let alone get our animals in a vehicle, let alone driving 200 miles to get your animals vaccinated. Here's Galette again. So access is very difficult. You probably noticed the roads you came in on with gas at $5 a gallon and 40% of the population living below the poverty line. It's, it's very challenging for people to make it to, like, one of the Navajo Nation clinics where their starting price is about $100 for a dog neuter. She says there's only two vets on the entire reservation. Her clinics are constantly sold out. It's not 
we've discovered at all a lack of wanting to do the right thing, it's a matter of access, you know, and, and finances. The issues of strays and disease isn't just sad, it's dangerous. The Indian Health Service treats around 3,000 people each year from dog bites. Last year, a 13-year-old girl was mauled to death by a pack of feral dogs while walking on the reservation. She was the fifth killed by dogs on the Navajo Nation since 2010. But Gillette also says there's a cultural shift happening. And, and definitely, generationally, the attitude toward dogs is changing. There are, I, I started working on the res with animals about 13 or 14 years ago. And even in that short amount of time, dramatic change in what we're seeing. Dogs have long been an important part of traditional Navajo life, but they were mostly working dogs, well cared for, but bonding with sheep, not so much humans. But as far as pets, we're seeing so many more dogs that live in houses. I was commenting to staff yesterday that I look around and the number of crates I see in the back of trucks instead of just loose dogs. That may partially explain why she gets calls regularly from people who have an unwanted dog, instead of just dumping the animals on the side of the road. On the way to find the Sweetwater Chapter House, Gillette was guided by a local who happened to have his own dog in the car. And I said, you've been so helpful, thank you so much. If you need to get shots or anything like that, come on by, I'll do them for free for you. And he's like, nope, my dog's neutered and he's all up to date on vaccines. And She says that would have been very rare 15 years ago. But Gillette says there's a lot of work to be done. She's hoping to add a mobile clinic soon. And the Navajo Nation recently passed a law that penalizes those with dangerous animals. It's waiting for President Jonathan Nez's signature. Justin Higginbottom for KZMU News. A new study finds that low-producing oil and gas wells make up about half of the methane emitted from all well sites in the U.S., while accounting for just 6% of the nation's oil and gas production. Mark Richardson, with our partners at the Public News Service, reports. Led by the Environmental Defense Fund, the report found an estimated 565,000 low-producing sites making less than 15 barrels of oil per day across the country, with a significant number of them in Utah and across the Mountain West. Mark O'Mara of the Environmental Defense Fund says the high amount of methane leaks, about 4 million metric tons annually, is a major climate concern. This matters a great deal because methane, which is the main component of natural gas, is such a powerful greenhouse gas whose emissions into the atmosphere packs more than 80 times the global warming effect of carbon dioxide over the first 20 years following emissions. The Environmental Protection Agency proposed new regulations last year to reduce greenhouse gas emissions from the oil and gas industry. This update to the Clean Air Act is aimed at making significant cost-effective reductions in methane emissions and other air pollutants. Ben Abbott, an environmental scientist at Brigham Young University, says parts of Utah have some of the worst air pollution in the country, and much of the methane problem can be attributed to small oil and gas operations in the northeast part of the state. That is directly responsible for the high concentrations of ozone that, that have been observed throughout the Uinta Basin, which is pretty rural, but also some of that bleeds over into the Wasatch Front, the most populated area in Utah. Abbott thinks it would be better if the oil companies would clean up their well sites rather than wait for state and federal regulators to force their hand. I guess we pick our poison. Either we can get our ducks in a row with state-level requirements and clean up the extraction, or the EPA punitive regulations are going to kick into action. If 
if these areas can't clean up the local pollution. He adds many of the wells in Utah have been abandoned and need to be capped, while those still in production need to capture the methane before it leaks into the atmosphere. Mark Richardson reporting. Speaking of emissions, plans to monitor oil and gas wells from high in the sky are afoot in our region. Emma Gibson of the Mountain West News Bureau reports. Think of an almost 300-foot-long silver blimp, but one in the stratosphere to measure methane. The New Mexico company Sky calls them high-altitude platform stations, or HAPs. Sky CEO Miko Vestergaard-Branson says the HAPs can stay above the same oil and gas wells, whereas drones or satellites move. He says they'll dramatically improve how we see methane particles. We can see the difference between, is it the pipeline that's leaking or the cow standing next to it? Understood as we can see the specific emitter. The project started with a 2021 agreement with the Environmental Protection Agency and some state departments to monitor air quality. Branson says they'll be ready to start the monitoring process this fall. For the Mountain West News Bureau, I'm Emma Gibson. And that's the KZMU News for Tuesday, April 26th. Get your community-powered journalism Monday through Friday at noon and 7. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.